Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Hello, I'm Valerie Sokolowski, and welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right, The Stories That Make Us. I have with me today, Tricia Cunningham, the president and CEO of North Texas Food Bank, one of the largest hunger relief organizations in the United States. I want you to listen to this. Trisha's team and the partner organizations that she works with give access to over 190,000 nutritious meals. Can I say that again? Nutritious meals every day. Last year alone, they provided almost 72 million nutritious meals to children, to seniors, and to the working poor who are chronically hungry. And that means that they don't know where their next regular meal will come from. Her goal, this is a stretch goal, for the year 2025, she fully expects to reach 92 million meals a year. You know, when I think about the, uh, the deep hunger need, which I really wasn't aware of until the last several years and getting really involved with uh, the food bank, and when I think about the need in our country, it just makes me appreciate the, we, the uh, work that, that my guest, Tricia, does every day. And so, welcome, Tricia. We're so glad to have you. Well, thank you so much, Valerie. I really appreciate you having me on today. I, um, I know that you've only been at the North Texas Food Bank for a little over a year, and that you came from a really long and stellar career at Texas Instrument Semiconductor Company, corporate right and now you are at the food bank so tell us about the transition from corporate to from computer chips if you will to carrot chips sort of right so you know it has been a really interesting journey I was blessed to be at Texas Instruments for 30 years and in that time I had five different roles so I started off my degree is computer information system so yes I definitely was into the computer chips But I went from computer information systems with more of a business background into a marketing role right out of college. Started off in Houston, uh, had two different marketing roles, and I managed our global, uh, well, actually, then I managed our semiconductor level communications, then I managed our global corporate communications, and then the last eight and a half years, I spent in public affairs. But uh, Mm. during that time, I really had so many wonderful experiences. I got to see the world, work with great people, really received a lot of great training. They gave me the opportunity to make an impact in my community as well by being able to serve on boards, which I had done for about 15 years. But there toward the end, I was uh, very interested in trying to do something different. Mm -hmm. I wanted to truly do something where I felt like I could make a greater impact on our community. We were helping in the last role, whenever I was chief citizenship officer, of being able to provide funding 
two organizations that were making a difference, but mm-hmm. I wanted to be working with one of those organizations that was making a difference. So I decided to graduate from TI and then move to the nonprofit world. So I guess because hmm. I had been involved with nonprofits, I sort of understood a little bit more of the dynamics of a nonprofit. Sure. So that part wasn't as hard of a transition, I believe. Mm-hmm. But I think moving from different industries, I had so really? much to learn. But to hmm. me, that what was exciting. You know, I love a challenge. What can I learn? So I went from a semiconductor industry mm-hmm. to the food distribution business. And so I had to learn about a different kind of supply mm-hmm. chain. Mm-hmm. Supply chain and computer chips is, is very different than whenever you have a perishable, perishable product like food right. that you have to be able to get to clients. And it even is more expedited because oftentimes our food is donated and it, we don't get the food until it's already on its decline. And so we have to very quickly be able to get that out to the clients. So tell us a little bit about the people that receive it. Every year, uh, my husband and I have a great joy to give turkeys at a Thanksgiving season and, and bread and milk and you know right. the basics with one of the agencies that right. you serve. And I'll tell you something that happened last year. I was just taken aback. So we're outside and it's a cold and almost rainy day that day and all the volunteers are out and we've got something in our hands, each Mm -hmm. of us different things. I had turkey for a while, then I had milk for a while and whatever. And then the cars are circling, circling and they lift the trunk and we put them in and they keep going. Well, one car stopped and there were a lot of cars, but this car stopped right in front of me And this young Hispanic man got out of the car and walked over to our little group. And Tricia, he looked at us in the eyes with a great big grin. And he said, next year, I'm going to be doing what you're doing. Oh, that just gave me chills. Yeah, it gave, uh, really? Yeah. So, you know, there's, I think there's a misnomer, if you will, that, that (laughs) who gets this food? Right. So, you know, I think there are a lot of misconceptions Mm -hmm. out there. So thank you for asking the question, because I do love to tell people about who we serve. Yeah. So we primarily serve the working poor and we serve seniors, uh, you know, that have worked their entire lives and now they're living on Social Security or whatever benefits they have. Uh But maybe they have medical conditions or things that they really can't afford Mm -hmm. um, to to make ends meet. And we also serve children. But of those people who are able bodied, Mm -hmm. the majority of them work. At least someone in their household has worked within that year. And think about the demographic of these people. Oftentimes they're contract workers. So if they're working on construction, they may have a job for a few months and Uh then they're out of work and then they may have another job for a few months, but they're still actively working. Only 5% of the people that we serve through all of our clients are homeless. Interesting. Right. So how do you vet these people? So through our partner agencies, they have caseworkers that can evaluate where they are. They understand, you know, are they employed? Are they not employed? We have also social services coordinators that work with our partner agencies that help them to sign up for other benefits like uh, the SNAP Mm -hmm. program where they can get supplemental nutrition meals in addition to being able to get maybe food at the food pantry. Mm -hmm. But these partner agencies help assess 
Are you underemployed or did you recently lose a job? Do you have a chronic illness that's making you uh, not be able to make ends meet? And then they can try to help them. Do they have a job training program that they could put them in? Uh-huh. And so they they holistically look at each situation is different. And so they have to holistically look at that so that they can try to help them. And the majority of the people, they want to get back on their feet and get on their own because it's honestly embarrassing for them to yes. have to come. And so all of our partner agencies treat our clients with dignity and respect and I've even ran into people just because you know I'm wearing my little food bank pin I've had Uh my food bank pin on and uh, a woman at a cash register was talking to me about the fact that do you work with the food bank and I said yes I do she said I was laid off from Disney several years ago and she said I had to go and get benefit I moved to the North Texas area and I had to go to one of your food pantries and she said I just want to tell you I was so embarrassed to be there but they treated me with such great respect Mm -hmm. and she said I want to just much like this gentleman that you talked about she said I want to get involved Mm. how can I get connected so so you've talked about some things that you just light up when you talk (laughs) about these things Tricia and so I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking about the heart of you and mm-hmm. and um, you must have had a background that caused you to want to be in nonprofits you said you were in a lot of them yeah. when you were at TI so what's your background who are you yeah so you know I grew up in in western Kentucky uh-huh. and you know I had a very hard-working father he worked as a maintenance worker at um, automobile tire factory mm-hmm. uh, my mother stayed home with us whenever we were younger but both my mother and father had an eighth grade education formally eighth grade eighth grade but they valued education and they just didn't have the opportunity because of their family circumstances to get more than an eighth grade formal education uh-huh. my mother went back to school whenever I was probably in second grade and got her GED certificate Good and then her. yeah and then whenever I was probably seventh and eighth grade she went to cosmetology school and got her cosmetologist license and ended up having her own beauty shop my dad built back behind our house and so she she did that because she loved people and she loved to talk to people and she loved being able to fix hair and do those things and so she enjoyed that and my dad he he definitely no doubt would have been an engineer I believe if he would have had a formal education Mm. he was always taking things apart putting them together if something was broken he would be able to to fix it he was very analytical, great at math. Um, you know, he had actually artistic abilities as well. But he always, my brother and I, from the time we were very young, always said, you're going to college. You're going to college. Good and for I, them. I felt mm-hmm. so fortunate to have that kind of support mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. Whenever I knew that so many people, even though we were in a college town, so many people that I went to school with didn't have parents like mine that were telling them that this is important. Education is important. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they always told me, even though you, know, you get to a certain level with their formal education, they weren't really able to help us with our homework that much. But they always just said, just do your best. I'm so proud of you. Do your best and mm. do your best. And so that's always stuck with me. Always do, do, your, best. Best. do your best. And we grew up. I mean, I grew up in a church family and, you know, it was important to be able to make sure that you helped others as well. And I think that whole spirit of doing your best and helping others really help form a lot of who I am. And I've always loved to be able to do that and get so much satisfaction personally mm-hmm. out of seeing other people succeed. Well, you have uh, certainly done a lot to help other people succeed. I know the background of all the other nonprofits you were in before you took on this heavy role. So now that you're the 
head person, the president and CEO of this huge organization. By the way, how many employees do you have and how many volunteers? Oh, yeah. So we we have about 170 to 180 employees at any given time. Okay. But last year we had 40,000 volunteers. Wow, I was one of 40,000. You were one of 40,000. That's impressive. Okay. So, yeah. Well, so my question to you is, is how do you maintain your what brung you, your values, uh, the things that you've held deep in your heart when there are those stressful times and those awful things that can happen in business today, the challenges, the downs. Right. Well, you know, one of the things that I just have to remember is that my worst day is better than some of our clients' best days. Oh, that's great. And I walk into my office down at the farmer's market. I actually have two offices now. I have one downtown at yes. Dallas Farmer's Market, and we just opened our new facility up at, in Plano, so I have an office there as well. But in my office in Farmer's Market, I have on my desk, blessed. And I just remember every day that I come in that I am truly blessed to be able to be there and to be able to work with Mm. um, being able to provide food to people who need it on a regular basis. And I just am this week going to be putting on my wall in my office in Plano that love your neighbor as yourself because I believe if you truly love your neighbor as yourself, Mm -hmm. you're going to be a better co-worker. You're going to want to help other people, and that's what I want to be able to ascribe to do as well. And I think if I remember those things, Mm -hmm. those stresses seem to be a little less, and the anxiety for me is a little bit less because I know that everything that I can do to try to help them, Mm -hmm. that that's more than what they probably had before. You know, that's a beautiful visual. I, I, as you were talking, I'm visualizing the plaque and each of your offices. I was told one time by another CEO <laughs> that uh, what he did when he got stressed, it reminds me of what you just said, is he has a little train, one little car train up on his mantle in the office. And when he gets stressed, much like what you're saying, there's something visual that he looks at. Right. He remembers playing trains with his dad Mm -hmm. and so the whole point is what a great tip right right and speaking of tips I always ask my guests to have um, maybe something to share that I call teachable points of view TPOVs one day we're going to have a big book with all of them from the (laughs) show but um, you have an especially really good group of them would you tell them Tell us now what they are and, and what this word that you're going to tell oh, us stands sure, for. Sure, of course. So so I've often been asked to speak to women's group, and I actually taught youth Sunday school at one point in time, too. And so the inspiration sort of came to me during one of these things about being bold. Bold. You have to be bold. Yep. And so the first, the B, stands for believing in yourself mm-hmm. and believing in others. And so you have to believe in yourself to have the confidence to be able to lead, but you also need to know that you need to empower your employees, that they need to be able to, to lead as well. And you have to know when to lead and when to follow sometimes as well. And I'll talk about that with the L. Hey, now let me interrupt for a second on the bold, because you obviously have a great self-confidence, and not everyone does. That's true. Right? You had great parents mm-hmm. that gave you that self-confidence. Right. What about those of us, me included, that didn't? And how how can people glean that self-confidence when they didn't grow up with it? 
You know, I do believe it is something inherent in the personality and also in how you're brought up. You know, I was brought up with a lot of encouragement. Mm -hmm. My daughter needs a lot of encouragement as well. You know, she thrives whenever someone encourages her. And but you can just see her wilt whenever someone critiques her before she gets some encouragement. She has to have that balance. Mm. And I think that's really important in the business world today is you really need to understand how everyone operates and how everyone ticks because you can totally demoralize someone mm-hmm. by some of your comments, even though they might have may not have been seen as a harsh critique. It was just, you know, this is something to help you if you also don't help them to understand this is what I really value about you and this is what you do good. And so I think a lot of the assessments that you do in the workplace help you gain that understanding and it also helps you to get the most out of the people that you're working with as well. That sounds great. I want to come to work for you if I ever have to. (laughs) I'm not going to say I do that perfect (laughs) because we all forget sometimes. But I do love those kind of assessments. I do think they're very valuable. To, to learn where someone else, what someone else is thinking and how they right. process what you're saying. That's great. So believe in yourself. That's the B. Believe, believe in yourself. And I think O is open. You have to be open mm-hmm. to new opportunities. If I hadn't been open to what might be next beyond TI, if I hadn't been open to sort of thinking about what might come my way, I wouldn't be at the food bank. Right. And so I had a lot of people, whenever I just made the decision that I did want to go and do something else, come to me with various opportunities. And so I was open to them Mm -hmm. and I would listen and I would, you know, learn and try to figure out. But I wanted to make sure it was something that I could truly be passionate about Mm -hmm. and something that I felt like wasn't going to feel like work. You know, for this stage of where I was, I wanted something that was going to excite me and just knew that making a difference for others was really going to make me feel well as too. So I think being open to those opportunities, if we're closed off, there could be things that come your way that may give you that excitement and your that passion mm-hmm. that uh, you, you may miss along the way. Well, yes, and <laughs> opportunities that come to some people, I'll speak for myself through the years, I can't, I, I shouldn't overanalyze them, right? right. Think it, I, you said something really important about making you feel like you're wanting to do it like there's something inside of you instead of it's about the money or it's about the prestige or those sorts of things so that's a good one that's the third one so the third one is to and i'm referenced it a little bit when i talked about the b it's lead Mm -hmm. and be led so a good leader I'm, i'm saying leader not manager Right. But a good leader will help lead the organization and they will help direct them and they will help give them their true north and saying this is where we need to go. Mm-hmm. And but you also need to know when to follow. You know, good leaders always know when to follow as well. Tell me about that. So you may I mean, I personally try to hire people smarter than me whenever I'm hiring people. And so I don't know everything. It's my my job to make sure everyone is walking in the right direction and they're going to the direction that we need to in order to try to close the hunger gap. But I need everyone in the organization to be empowered to own their leadership role. Mm -hmm. They were put in that role for a reason. And so I also have to respect their abilities and their knowledge. And also they lead me sometimes as well because they know something about an area that I don't know about. And so I have to be open to understanding. It's not just my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. Certainly you have to have that leadership and then to direct whenever there are uncertainties. Mm -hmm. But you also have to be open to following others as well. So on that note, Tricia, uh, with the hectic world that we're living in today, where things are changing constantly, how do you keep these people uh, focused on the main thing? 
right. because uh, it's one thing to give them empowerment, right. but I don't know, maybe I might just be empowered in a whole lot of different things. So, yeah. Um, so I think, Valerie, when you and I had talked a little bit before, you talked about this concept of VUCA, you know, <laughs> this whole volatility and uncertainty and everything that's out there. You right. know, I think that's just a state of life today. It is. I mean, you can post something on the Internet and it's around the world instantly. So it's Scary. not like the old days where you had to go and get the newspaper and see what was going on and you could control the message. You had a little bit more time to do that, but you can't do that today. Mm-hmm. But I think the main thing there is you have to have a, a clear vision mm-hmm. of what you're doing and you have to have clarity with your people that that's your mission. Ah. And so, but to be able to get there, things may change. You have a plan, but you mm-hmm. have to be open. You have to be flexible. You have to be innovative. I think in order to be able to make sure that you, because things change constantly. Mm-hmm. So you have to continually evaluate, okay, this is where we're going, mm-hmm. but how we get there might be a little different because there could be some better ways now to get there than when, when we put things down on paper. Right. So I think you have to be able, able to take a little risk with that as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that. Keeping the main thing the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. We're, right. clo- we're closing the hunger gap, so we've got to keep that. But how we close the hunger gap could be very different. There's new technologies coming online. There's new risks all the time that are coming out. And so how do we mitigate against those risks? And then how do we take advantage of some of these new opportunities to be able to help close the hunger gap? Yeah, You know, when we talked uh, about that, just really being clear in my own mind, I loved it when you said our goal is to feed the hungry. That's right. And so... IT person, what are the systems that are in place in order to? HR, what are the people issues that are in place in order to? That's right. And you always had that in order to. I really took that to heart because I I have to admit sometimes I want to do too many things and you just can't in this volatile world. You know, one of the things before I left TI um, that – I really started thinking about, and I've actually done some presentations on it as well. I believe where anyone fits in any kind of organization, mm-hmm. for profit or not for profit, you have to have a job purpose. Oh, yes. And okay. so, why are you there? Why are you there? Why are you there? What is your purpose? I don't mean what is your function, mm-hmm. but what is your job purpose? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And so, if you're in accounting at a for profit organization, part of your job purpose is to make sure that there is integrity in those numbers that are there Mm -hmm. so that the reputation isn't damaged so that there aren't many people that could be uh, have their economic security taken away from them by having some corruption Mm. at the company Mm -hmm. so your job purpose is securing a strong reputation for that organization and having integrity you know so if if (laughs) that's really good if every person would just stop and think in any organization, what difference do I make? Right. It's great if the leader is you mm-hmm. and you're letting them know the difference and you've got the passion to, to make sure that they're focused on what the purpose is. But I'm just thinking about other corporations and any job, entrepreneurs, whatever. I just think it might be an interesting tip to say, take some time, go out on the beach, go up in the mountains, take some reflective time, and just really think deeply. What is it that you do that makes a difference? Because That's every right. job right. can make a difference. So what would you say your job purpose is, Valerie? 
to influence people to be who they are authentically and to live life from the inside out. That's it. See, yeah. you, you know mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But I think there's so many people that if they would take that time to reflect, and I think it needs to involve your passion mm-hmm. and your purpose together, and that's whenever you really make things click. That's when mm-hmm. we talked about the definition of success. To me, that's your definition of success, whenever your passion and your purpose right. can truly make an impact with people and yourself. There you go. That's a good definition. Okay, yeah. keep going on bold. So bold. So we had open and then we had lead and we had believing in yourself for the B. And so the D is really differentiation. Mm. And so you have to differentiate yourself. Uh, what are you doing that's different? You know, what, what, what are you bringing that's different to the party? And so oftentimes people ask you, so this is where you do this really well, not really ask you, but just say, you do this really well. Well, that could be something different because if they're telling you that you do that really well, then obviously they say you're doing it better than other people. So listening to what other people tell you that you do well, yeah. I think is important. Uh, and then making sure that you truly are adding value as a differentiator mm-hmm. into the organization where you are. So otherwise you're just like everyone else. Well, that's something we don't want to be is just like everybody right. else you know you know this that I do a lot of work in the personal branding right. space and and it's a process it isn't that oh I can figure out my brand mm-hmm. no it's a it's deeper than that and when we go deeper than that the differentiation is very much a part of it and I will say to someone okay so what do you do differently or better than and that's not bragging but right. what do you do different or better than other people that kind of sort of do what you do and and that right. stumps most people you know exactly but what makes you stand out from the crowd and that's right that's I right that's mm-hmm. bold and I think when you get people it doesn't create this army of individuals when everyone plays to their strength mm-hmm. then you can put that all together with that clarity and that vision that's whenever you have a successful organization as well Great, and you do. Well, I have a question for you that that uh, I thought about. What would you, uh, if you could have advice or counsel, Tricia, with anyone in the world? Oh, who would I know? You're not wow. ready for that. No, are I'm you? not ready for that <laughs> one. Just think about it. if you could sit down and get advice or counsel from anyone. Um, maybe who comes to mind and what would you want to talk with that person about? Wow, that's yeah. that's really interesting. So mm-hmm. I guess if I were to think about from a living person standpoint, okay. you know, I'm and this isn't a political statement. I, I just it is probably just a recent recall because I just saw an article on him. But you know, Jimmy Carter is president. He mm-hmm. actually has devoted much of his life to service as well. Yes, he has. And so how did he use his position to be able to help to enable other people and make sure that they had success as well? Um, and I was reading this article. He lives a very modest lifestyle in his hometown in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And so it's not all about flash and dash, but it really is about how he's using his life now to be able to help others. And um, I'd never really thought about that until you actually just asked that question. And it was probably ah. just top of mind with me about what he had done uh, and how he did things to truly make a difference. Really for forever. For so many years. Yeah, for so many years. Interesting. Hmm. What kind of question would you ask him? 
Oh, what was the most satisfaction that you've had mm-hmm. through your service? You know, whether it was in the presidentials or something very simple. Mm-hmm. It talks about him going and eating on paper plates and red solo cups at his <laughs> neighbor's house. You know, that may be what gives him the most satisfaction. Uh-huh. Or it could be some of his other humanitarian work that he's done, too. You know, he's built homes for so many people and uh, that needed them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, what really gave him the most satisfaction and why? Mm-hmm. And, you know, differentiation, right. you could put all the presidents, you could put all the presidents of companies out there right. and, and take a look at what what are they doing with their mm-hmm. time and their success and, and their money. Yeah. Um, have you ever, have you ever had a real challenge that you just went, oh, oh, why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> ever had a challenge? That, that really kind of got to you, and, and, and how did you overcome that challenge? Yeah. Well, you know, I think um, probably to my own fault sometimes, I really do believe in people, and I really want people to succeed. Mm-hmm. And I can remember a, a couple of different times uh, whenever I was at Texas Instruments that I really wanted to believe in people and I wanted them to succeed, mm-hmm. and I probably let them stay in roles longer than they should have. You know, that's the number, I think statistically, mm-hmm. isn't it true that the, that's the number one downfall of leaders is keeping right. someone too long, which is kind of hard. That's right. And it is hard because I always mm-hmm. felt like I can coach them and I can get them there. But there, comes a, but there comes a certain time, and I think it's a hard lesson learned. Mm-hmm. There comes a certain point in time whenever you know that you've got to do what's right for the organization. And usually what that is is it's right for that person, too, because they're struggling. Well, when is that time? How do you know when it's that time? That's a really, I think it's all discernment, yeah. right? And you just have to be able to, so I've, I've tried to raise my awareness on that. And whenever oh, okay. I see someone struggling, mm-hmm. I just think it's one of those things you have to be able to, a person by person, are they truly trying? Do they have the capability? Are they going to be able to meet your future goals for what you have for that organization? If not, is there another role that they should be in? And so started keeping your, your radar and antenna up on what it, maybe some of those other roles are that they should be in. Or can you get them the training or education that they might need to be able to help them either in your role or the role that they might be in? Development is really important. Yes. And so I don't want to, as they say, old old timey saying, throw the baby out with the bathwater <laughs> whenever, <Right. you, laughs> whenever they do that. Because if there's someone that's young in their role and they've never had the opportunity to go through management training, for instance, mm-hmm. or they've never had the opportunity to go through some kind of skills training that may be new, you know, whenever the transition to the internet happened. So many people that were working in communications at that time really didn't have a lot of experience. So we had to give them the experience that they needed in order to be able to successfully market through the internet. So those are the kind of things that, is it trainable? Mm -hmm. Can you get them development? Is there something that could be coachable? Mm -hmm. And then if you've done that and they're not able to succeed, then that's whenever I think you have to make the decision that it's really not best for you or for them. And by that time, you've set the expectation where they realize that themselves, I think. And you know, interesting that in uh, the coaching part of my work, I've actually talked with people who have had a boss say these things and, and they've said, you know, Valerie, it was the best thing that happened because I wasn't a fit. Right. And I didn't even know I was a, wasn't a fit. Right. So the best thing that happened to me was that I was given the opportunity to find another position, chose not to in the organization, or sometimes it was right. I was 
given the opportunity not to have a <laughs> position, period. But whatever, many times it's, it's just that um, you're not a fit and didn't really realize it, kept struggling. So it's that struggle. Well, and you I know think you're struggling. People inherently mm. want to try to do their best. Sure we do. And whenever you try so hard and then you're not able to accomplish what you feel like and you feel like you're still not meeting the mark, that brings you on a personal level down as well. Right. Yeah, that's and it. so you want to be in an area where you can succeed and you can be all you can be as well. There it goes back to mm -hmm. what you said earlier. If there's one thing that bugs you as a leader, your bugaboo, your trigger point, whatever, what would that be? So I do not like it whenever people try to appease me. Appease? Yes. What and so like? like I feel like they're just trying to tell me something because they think it's what I want to hear. Bobblehead? Yes. And <laughs> oh, yes, yes, Trisha, yes, yes. yes, that's the that's the best idea ever. <laughs> and you know it's not the best idea ever, but you feel like people are playing to you. I think it has to do with integrity as well because they may tell you that and then they go back around the corner and they say, "Can you believe that she said this?" And so, I mean, that's one thing that I really don't like. I mean, I want people to be upfront and honest with me and tell me. So, an example of what I do like mm -hmm. is back whenever I first started with the food bank, I was probably two or three weeks in the job and uh, one of the people from the organization came into my office and we were just chatting and, and I said, can I ask you a question? And she said, what? I said, what, what is something that I need to know that no one else is going to tell me? Wow. And she said, do you really want to know? And I said, no, really, I want to know. And they said, well, we all see that you're getting here really early before we get here and you leave after we get here. And is that your expectation for us? And you'd been there how long when you I'd asked I'd only been this? there two or three weeks. And, but, but it was. I mean, so I, my commute was 30 miles. It, okay. And it helped me to be able to leave early and get there. Whenever I first started, my meeting, my days were full of meetings. I was doing employee roundtables. I was doing volunteer experiences. I was meeting with board members. And I had external meetings and donors. We had a capital campaign going on. Uh, Hurricane Harvey hit 45 days oh into this. But and so there was a lot of things that were going on. Mm -hmm. And I said, for my own sanity, I'm coming in early because I need some time to get things done before and after work whenever no one else is here. So I said, no, it's my expectation that you do your job and you do your job well, but it doesn't have, you don't have to sit here minute by minute that I'm in my chair. So. And you would never have even I would not have known that that, that, that was even. thinking that. Exactly. Can't I you would, just imagine behind the scenes? I was like, oh, think, I want to have to start getting here earlier. <laughs> yes, right. right. But I so appreciated sure. that. And that person now has been someone that I know that I can go to and I can, I can get the straight, straight facts from answer. her. Mm -hmm. And she's going to tell me. And so thankfully, mm -hmm. she was honest with me and didn't try to appease me. Oh, no, there's nothing. But I really appreciated her having that conversation with me. And that's what I do like. But, you know, I don't really like it whenever people are just trying to play to me. What a great time we've had together, Tricia. All the wonderful things that you're doing and have done and uh, out in the community. You're as active, if not more so, than ever before. How many boards are you on? Uh, I've narrowed it down. I think it's three now. <laughs> and I'm on some advisory wow. boards, too. But I think it's three actual fiduciary boards so That's a lot mm -hmm. 
I just really want to thank you today for being so open and so candid and revealing a lot about just who you are, what you do, and how you do it. And that is that is your brand. And so thank you so much. Um, I want to share with you in a moment, we're going to see, uh, those of you who have access to the video part of this podcast, we'll see a quick little video uh, of Tricia at the food bank telling you a little bit more. But first, I want to invite all of you to tune in next time as we have other leaders, another leader who will reveal their teachable points of view and their stories that make them. If you have uh, questions or if you would like to have the teachable points of view from this interview, email me. I think that's the easiest thing to do. Valerie at ValerieAndCompany.com. Easy. Valerie at ValerieAndCompany.com. And also, I will send you an article that I wrote about how you can develop a strong personal brand. So email me either at Valerie at ValerieAndCompany.com or send me a message on LinkedIn. And so that's it for now. Thanks for listening. The North Texas Food Bank is always going to be a hunger relief organization, but we really do have to innovate in order to make sure that we're addressing this complex issue that's in our community. People may come there because they're hungry, but they also have many other services that help them to either get reemployed or get additional training or things as well. They're very non-judgmental, um, you know, they don't look at you crazy because uh, you have a college degree, but right now you're having a hard time. Um, they actually just want to be here to help you. We serve a 13-county service area, and in that 13 counties, we have over 800,000 people who don't know where their next nutritious meal is coming from. But they're all our neighbors. These are people who live in our community. We literally see our neighbors uh, in our lobby, in our pantry, and our objective is to help them no matter where they are in their life. You're listening to RNCN. The digital destination for premium talk radio.